This is Marvel 616 Politics, Episode 8, with Andy Kirby and Jared Mayo. Enjoying my day off today. 
Oh, the day you before Thanksgiving when we're taping this episode. Yes, and, yep, uh, you're right. Day before Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all our listeners out there. And also, happy Tina Turner birthday. Oh, tomorrow whoa. is Tina Turner's birthday. Tomorrow? How yeah. Did I, how did I miss that? And it's not just a little birthday. It's not 50 or 60. Tomorrow is 70. 70? It's ha- a big one. My good, happy birthday, Tina. I know you're listening out there. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Wasn't she that lady that called last week about Mystique? Mm, was that Tina? I don't know. That would have been pretty sweet. Well, then I'm sorry I insulted her by calling her a drunk lady. <laughs> My bad, Tina. My bad. Well, what else is new? You enjoying your day? What did you do on your day off? You went on a date with Miss Jennifer. Yeah, I got um, some eBay stuff put together and went to the post office and caught up on some old, not old, but some recent issues. Oh, so you got it. You spent the day doing the like comics, though. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice to have a day off and uh, not have to read comic books at work. You get to read them from home. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I finished up. I used the last half hour of work today to to finish up um, writing my synopsis of Realm of Kings. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because I couldn't get it to work. Uh, it was crazy, but it was good. It was good. I had yeah, fun we're working hard, you know, doing our job. <laughs> oh, bad news! My local comic book shop, my LCS as they're called, is shutting down. Oh, you're kidding! Yeah, it's he can't he can't stay afloat, so it's a bummer. But fifty percent off everything. Oh. Uh, a friend of mine just called fifty percent off. Yeah, and not just the books, like the the trades and the the statues and everything else, the bus as they call them. Whoa! I know. I have to stop by there uh, Friday or Saturday. Yeah, I might have to give you a list or something. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. You can do that if you want. I mean, I mean, if I grab some time, I'll go in there, but. I already looked through all his old back issues. They got nothing I am collecting, which is weird because I want to fill in my Amazing Spider-Man Volume Two collection. But he's got nothing, none of it. He's got everything he's got is Brand New Day and Beyond, and I don't want that trash. <laughs> <laughs> I want what's that trash? <laughs> I want the trash before that. <laughs> I want the trash of the Senator issues one through thirty, that or one through twenty-nine. That's what I want. So, oh, so when is uh, when's his final day? Saturday. So maybe if Whoa. I go, if maybe if I go Saturday, everything will be seventy five percent off. Yeah, that's so. What are you going to do for your comic book needs? There's another place on the uh, the next town over, but that guy's a snob, you know. Like he's he's like, oh, pff, you want that book, <laughs> you know? Whereas this guy, <laughs> there's two kinds of comic people. All right, generally, we all know this. There's the comic book snobs, the aficionados. And then there's the comic uh-huh. book nerds. Okay, we're all geeks. Let's we'll just say that we're all geeks. <laughs> but there's the snobs and the nerds. And I'd rather fraternize with the nerds because they don't know how to talk. They're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, oh dude, okay, I got something to tell you. All right, <laughs> okay. Today, all right. This, I don't know if anybody keeps up with football. I do not, but everybody around the office does, so I'm forced to. So. The Saints, who are playing on Monday night, are undefeated. I think it's 10-0, and 0, and they're playing the Patriots. And so the guy I work with, he and my other friend are going to the game. His wife's going, and there's a call on the radio to have everybody go and wear black. So I suppose I, I, I didn't understand this, but so when the TV cameras pan the crowd, 
everybody will be wearing black, so you'll see like a, a whole stream, like a whole view, a view, a vista, if you will, of black. <laughs> and to me, I was like, well, what, you know, what's the point? I, I don't know. But anyway, so we went into the store today on, on our lunch break. It's called the black and gold because those are the Saints colors. And I went in there, and dude, I, I have never felt so out of place in yet a, such a familiar setting. And here's what I mean. I walk in there, all these big guys are there, and they're all like, oh, where's my size? Where's, oh, do they have this? Maybe they have it in the outerwear. Oh. And it's like these people, when I was there, there had to be like ten people coming in. And they were all going through the clothes, and like they have jackets and sweaters and underclothes and like, you know, hats and everything, jerseys, helmets, all Saints nonsense, right? It was the same look in these guys' eyes, in these middle-aged men's eyes, as the ones you see of the people looking through the comic books. So I'm looking around at the merchandise, and I was like, I can't use any of this trash. <laughs> it was terrible. That's anyway, awesome, man. Yeah, there are so others weird. out there. And the guy who ran it, he could, he could easily, you could just move the setting around him and kind of zip it out and zip it back in and he would fit back into a comic book owner spot. He would just, he had, you know, he had the pack of sausages on the back of his neck. You know what I'm saying? Ew, gross. And he, <laughs> oh, that's gross. And he had, you know, the shaved head and he was there folding like, you know, the equivalent of bagging and boarding all the back issues. He was there folding the clothes and everything. <laughs> it was just like, wow. <laughs> amazing. And then, like, a girl walked in, and everybody looked and was like, what is she doing here? Who is this? And that's the exact same reaction you get when a girl walks into a comic book shop. Exactly. Anyway. Exactly. Jennifer a, hates going to the comic book store. Because everybody looks she at her? <laughs> yeah, she's like, they're weird. They talk about weird stuff, and they look at me. Because <laughs> they don't get to see girls up close that often. Exactly. They have no idea. They're like, what is this? <laughs> Why is this girl in here? What does she want? Will she attack me? Yeah, is she married? They're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're more scared of you than you are of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Our podcast listening has gone up. We're, we've hit over, what, 330 subscribers or something like that. That's good. Go to our website, uh, marvel616politics.com. You can email us at marvel616politics at gmail.com. We're both on Facebook, so if you want to friend us, it's Andy Kirby and Jared Mayo. Just do us a favor and say that you're a fan of the show or mention something about the show so that we're not, like, block stalker, you know, so we don't yeah. <laughs> we have no idea who you are. <laughs> Just say, hey, show sucks. All right. Can I be a friend? Please. <laughs> we'll be like, yes, of course. I'm on Twitter, uh, at Nick Hatter, N-I-K-H-A-T-T-E-R. Are you on Twitter? I'm not on Twitter. You know what? Throughout the day, if we if if you were on Twitter, it would be easier to contact you instead of Facebook email. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I did not know this. Well, I, I'll get you hooked up, sir. It's you... You know what? At first, I talked myself into saying that it was worth it. You know, like, oh, this Twitter thing is amazing, and it has so many, so many benefits and crowdsourcing and all that. But you have to have like a million followers to, to crowdsource something out. It's really useless. It it really is. But it could be What's, useful. What's to, crowdsourcing? 
crowdsourcing. Like, if you wanted to know something, and you can update Twitter via your phone and then get responses back, like just your regular text messages, your SMS messages. If you were in a crowded city and you had a lot of followers or on the list you were in, in that specific area and there was like a traffic jam, you could say, hey, what's going on on one, you know, 190 and such and such? And then you would get all these responses back and say, oh, it's a bad accident. I just passed through there or whatever. Oh, that's pretty uh, nifty. Yeah, that is. But, again, you have to have like a million followers to be able to do that. We, I don't. Okay. So, so not any, yet. Anyway. Oh, no, not yet. Oh, I plan They're on taking coming. over the world. For real. You're going to be like the next Olsen twin. Oh, oh. <laughs> why? That hurt. That hurt. <laughs> The next Olsen twins? I don't yeah, know. Like they they almost took over the world there for a while. Yeah, yeah, until they drugged out and whatever else. Speaking of the Olsen yeah, let's, twins, let's, uh, I saw a great shirt that I wanted to buy my sister, but I think my sister's too skinny to wear this. It says "Fight Anorexia," and it's a oh, like oh. A, a Jason and the Argonauts scene, and it's a guy swinging a sword at a skeleton. Anyway, I thought it was funny, but maybe someone <laughs> inappropriate. <laughs> $6 t-shirts.com. Anyone go there? Or $6 shirts. I'm not sure. Anyway, hey, we got one email. Are you interested here? I'd be, that'd be great to hear. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll read the email. Hey, Andy and Jared, exclamation point. You guys are a lifesaver. I got stuck on a nine-hour flight on the way home from Europe with nothing but a classic Game Boy. Just about when I thought I was going to go nuts and see the rest of my life in fading 8-bit yellow scale chromatics, I remembered <laughs> I had several Marvel 616 podcasts on my iPod. I listened to them almost the entire flight, and it made it go much faster. Anyway, I need your advice. I missed out on seeing X-Men Origins Wolverine this summer. Is it recommended? Would you call it a blow-off, a rent, a buy, or ask for the DVD special edition box set for Christmas? I know I, <laughs> I, know I can trust your commentary for all my Marvel 616 needs. Thanks, Interstellar Machine. And this is the same guy who said, YouTube, MP3, how do you do that? <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so now he's asking, awesome. did you see that movie? The, Wolverine um, Origins? Yeah, Wolverine Origins? Yes, we, Jennifer and I, well, this is the second time I saw it, but Jennifer and I just watched it this past week. Wh what a so coincidence. Did you, Interesting. Did what you, about you? Did Have you, you watch it for this email? I did not. What? That just God has a way of doing things like that. I tell you what, let me be frank, that's uncanny, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Frank. <laughs> All right, two bad jokes in a row. All right. Yeah, I know. That well, was first, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right, first off, let me say the Interstellar Machine, uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at Interstellar Mac, M A C. But first off, I want to say I don't know if you should trust our commentary for for all our all your Marvel six one six needs. I'm flattered, but I don't know if you should. Um, I did. I did recently see this movie, probably three or four weeks ago, and man, I gotta tell you, the first time I saw it, I saw it in the theater, and I was not impressed. I thought maybe it was because I went and saw it alone. I didn't see it with anybody, 
which is always a, a negative. I don't know if you ever go to the movies alone. Mm-mm. No, no. But it's okay if you do. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Jackie and the girls were out of town. They were at Golf Shores, and I was like, well, I'm going to go see a movie. So I went and saw X-Men Origins Wolverine because I thought I'd like it, and I did not like it. I didn't like it. I, and the, First of all, Sabretooth did fantastic. I'll say that. Who is that? Lee Schreiber? He did wonderful. You got it. He kind of stole the show, but there was a, too much. There were three things that I found wrong. There was too much comic relief that was not Deadpool. His, his stuff was okay. Number two, they changed Deadpool's character. Okay, Ryan Reynolds would have made a fantastic Deadpool if they just stuck to the comic book Deadpool and not some messed up person who hides swords in his his forearms. And I, I don't know what that was about. And then number three, the claws look completely fake. Like if you go back and watch the original X Men movies, the claws look good, but these look way too long and way too fake. They look like Flash animation lightsaber battles. I just couldn't do it. So, how about you? <laughs> well, uh, the, I was the first time it was the exact same reaction. I saw it in the theater. I just couldn't get past how they didn't follow the comic books. Cause I'm just, I guess I'm a stickler or whatever, but I was just like, no, that's not how that happened, and that's not right. And it's hard for me to reconcile the movie universe with the comic universe. But then watching it with Jennifer, who, you know, she knows a lot about the X-Men, but she was just watching it from a purely, you know, just run-of-the-mill normal person watching it it was a decent movie you get i guess you just have to take yourself out of the you know knowing everything about the x-men and how deadpool really should be and why you know blob is doing that and and that kind of thing and just take it for a regular movie and it's really good for a hardcore x-men fan yeah they're probably going to be a little disappointed yeah i can see that i can i I think I don't think it would have been, uh, been as successful if it wasn't uh, Hugh Jackman. I think a lot of people, like a lot of girls and women, were like, "Yeah, I like. I mean, he's attractive. I'll go watch it." You know. But if it was anybody oh, sure. else, I think they, I think that they would uh, think less of the film. I think that skews it without people knowing. And Hugh Jackman in this, that. I mean, he. I don't think he's all that good of a Wolverine. And the first one, he was all right. But this one, first of all, he's way too tall. And secondly, <laughs> he doesn't have enough of an attitude. Like, this one, he was confused the whole time, and he was kind of, like, sympathetic and really lovey-dovey, and that's not Wolverine. Yeah, he was in love with, uh, what was her name? Uh, Silver Fox, it's right? Silver Fox. Right. He was yeah. in love with her, but, I mean, they, they just dwelled on that that emotion a lot. Like, I know they didn't take away from the story. I mean, they had enough of the story on it, but they... They dwelled on that emotion too much, I think. I don't know. It works better in the comic book. So, I mean, all in all, would you say a blow-off, a rent, buy, or the DVD special edition box set for Christmas? Well, I just bought it yesterday, actually. <laughs> um, and I'll give a tip to you viewers. Familyvideo.com has it for $5 right now. So really? if you want to buy it, you need to go to familyvideo.com. Are they it's paying us? It's $1.99 for shipping, too. Are they paying us for this ad? <laughs> They are. <laughs> For all of your video needs, familyvideo.com. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, you know what? Why don't you cut me half the check they're cutting you, <laughs> and everyone go to familyvideo.com. No, dude, I'm going to have to I used to work for them, and they really they do have a great selection, great prices. 
You used to work for them? Okay, look, I got a beef. All right, family video. We used to go in there. I'm going to tell I didn't know this about you. Do you find it odd that they just randomly put in everything in alphabetical order, even the porn? Oh, not our family video. Okay, all right. There was a special porn room. <laughs> the family-friendly porn room. I know. Okay. Dude, dude, when we lived in Xenia, there was a family video right almost next door, and we would go in there and, like, uh, you know, you're looking through, like, the fugitive and everything, and all of a sudden you come across, like, what is this? And it may have been, like, softcore stuff, but you could tell it was, like, you know... Hmm. Yeah, they have those. Those are with everything else, but there's a, also a room in the back that's just for the other stuff. <laughs> anyway, I, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe every place is like that. I don't. I haven't run a. I use the um, the Red Box. You use that? The Red Box? Yeah, Red Box. It's like a vending machine, yeah. but for movies. You got it. We love it. Yeah, it's, it's great. fantastic. It's fantastic. You jump online. You find the movie you want. You find the location. You. You get it. It's great. Yep. You don't have to talk to anybody. It's wonderful. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Speaking of talking to anybody, we're really getting off topic. We'll get to the comics in just a, a few minutes, folks. But, okay, I, you know how you go to the post office and they have the machines where if you want to send a package, you just you go to the machine, you weigh it, you pay for postage. You don't have to speak to anyone, right? Actually, I've never seen that, but go on. Oh, okay. That's the well, they have them. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> And so I, I go in, I take all my eBay stuff, and there's always this weird guy that hits on me at the post office. Oh, oh my That's God. why I don't go up to him anymore. That's why I always go to the box. <laughs> so I go to the box, seeing that he's there, and I don't make eye contact. I'm checking out. He leaves his spot, comes around, and says, Hey, buddy, you didn't want to come up to the front desk and talk to me? Like, oh, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Jared, I didn't. <laughs> I don't oh. know what to say. <laughs> no, it's not over yet. And I'm like, ha ha, whatever. And he's like, what? Am I just too slow for you? Ha ha ha. I said, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that probably sounded kind of rude. So I just wanted him to leave me alone. And he's like, well, yeah, we haven't seen you around for a while. It's nice seeing you again. Holy and I just, cow. I just. Didn't know what else to say. I said, huh? And I went back to doing my boxes. <laughs> no, wait. Okay, all right. I have to ask this. Does he really, like, hit on you, or is he just overly friendly? No, he hits on me. That's terrible. It's been multiple times. That's terrible. I've never had another post person leave the desk and come out to the floor to say they missed me. Uh, I'm I'm flabbergasted. I don't know what to say. That's That's awful. That's why I don't usually go to that post office. I usually go out of my way to a post office in another city, but I just didn't feel like driving 10 extra minutes today. Is in uh, Fairborn, at Beaver Creek? It's in Fairborn, yep. Yeah, I don't think I've been to that one. I've been to the Xenia one. Man, that yeah, is... that's a nice one. I've not been hit on it, that one. <laughs> From now on, that's how you gauge how good the post yeah. office is. If the same, yeah. if your same sex... <laughs> teller hits on you. Oh, yeah, this is a very nice post office. All I had was the opposite gender, and uh, no one even hit on me. Wow. You should write a review card or something. I mean, not to get them fired, but you should write a review card and, and just say, you know, I'm uncomfortable. That's terrible. 
that's terrible. <laughs> He's just a lonely older man, and I just, I always, do you ever do that? Like, if you think that somebody's hitting on you, you, like, scratch your nose and so that you show your wedding finger or anything? <laughs> why, no, in world, I guess that's a no. why in the world do you have to even show your wedding finger? <laughs> oh. oh, man. No, I, I'm saying in general, has, has, like, you ever feel like, you know, a girl is, like, you know, flirting with you or something, and you just, like, you make sure that your ring is shown? Okay, sir, I'm obviously not as attractive as you are, so... <laughs> I don't... I, uh, no, I don't, I don't get hit on fairly often. <laughs> but then again, then again, I usually have kids crawling all over me, so... You know, yeah. they, they usually... That can sometimes be a deterrent. Yeah, yeah, so... Whereas, you know, I just walk in wearing my sleeveless shirts with my, you know, raging muscles hanging out. I, I get that a lot, so... <laughs> <laughs> you and your earrings and your your sleeveless earring too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay, so um, I'd rent it. I, I'd rent Wolverine. Um, okay. <laughs> Goodness gracious! I can't come back from that. How do we segue into comics from that? Well, I did have one quite. I mean, I've got some other stuff I want to talk to you about. But we'll do it the next time, but. You had said earlier when we were talking about Wolverine, you said, you know, I don't know that you would that he should trust our opinion. Why why do you say that? Well, there's a lot of differing opinions out there. I know a lot of people like Matt Fraction's work. I personally can't stand it. Um mm -hmm. you know, Jeff Loeb, not in continuity, but a lot of people seem to like that, or else Marvel would kick him off the book. You know, Hercules, I, I got a lot of differing opinions than mainstream. I mean who would keep Incredible Hercules? Who in their right mind would say, <laughs> who in their right mind would say, his book is so awesome, I'm going to put him on the Mighty Avengers team, along with Amadeus Cho, who can't do anything? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't stand it. Oh, did you read this latest issue of Mighty Avengers, number 31? It's the end no, of the... No, actually, I just started reading Mighty Avengers... Uh... Those first few issues, okay, you told me how awful they were. So it's like twenty-two and twenty-three is what I read, and they were very rough. I oh, fell asleep man. three times. Yeah, so you just started reading the Dan Slot run after Bendis got off the, yeah. off the book. Yeah, I went to Barnes and Noble and picked them up. Well, I didn't pick them up. I sat there and read them and fell asleep. <laughs> well, good, good for you. No, man. Oh, it was. It's tough, and I. I mean, I generally tend to think. Um, Dan Slott is above average, but this stuff, I mean, it really, uh, this must all be set up stuff for, for Siege and the new um, hero era that we're about to enter, because later, like, Hank Pym starts talking to Infinity. Do you know this character, Infinity? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I didn't know anything about this character aside from, you know, Universe X, Paradise X, which I read okay. years ago. But, I mean, apparently he's the embodiment of the entire universe or something. Yeah. Okay, so he's talking to Henry Pym and saying, oh, well, you, you know, you're the you're my hero, you're, you know, the science sciences, and you will lead the way. And I, Henry Pym's a loser, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. no way is the universe going to choose him. Anyway, well, all right, let, let's not talk. I can't. 
Can't get riled up about the Mighty Avengers. Ridiculous. Yeah, I don't want you to get upset. <laughs> <laughs> my ulcer, my ulcer. <laughs> all right, well, all right, let's do, uh, let's do our, our, our current events. Current events. How about that? What do we got on the docket right. for current events? I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dark Reign, Spider-Man, The List. Uh, I got Realm of Kings one-shot, which I didn't realize was a one-shot. I thought it was a one of five, so shame on me. I just need to read between the lines. I'm sorry. Oh. I thought you were asking for something like, I was really supposed to have a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> no. And you're just basically saying, what comics are we going to review? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was speaking in coded language. All right, <laughs> yeah. and wh- which ones are you going to hit tonight? Um, I'm going to hit up X-Force 21 and Black Panther 10. Oh, X-Force 21, that's the one. All right, I was missing one. I was like, which one am I missing here? Oh, were you able to read it? Yeah, I, yeah, I read them. Uh, All right, cool. Yeah. All right, you want to go first on me? We'll see how far we get. Why don't of... you start us off? Okay. Yeah, I will... we, might, uh, we might be able to do Black Panther next time or something. Yeah, and maybe we'll just discuss it instead of reviewing it, or I don't know. All right, let's start off with uh, everyone, open your books to Spider-Man The List. <laughs> Dark Reign The List, Amazing Spider-Man. And the cover art is, is pretty good on this. It looks like uh, some of Ringo's stuff. I know he he passed on, but it, doesn't it look a little bit like Ringo? Yeah, it's it's sharp. It's really just crisp and sharp. I like it. It is, and the white background sets it off, though, too. And um, yeah. the other one, the one with all the knives and the, pump, the pumpkin knives and the, the list, I actually do like this one. It's very comic booky, but I do like it. That's by Adam uh, Kubert, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. I know you, I know you like this stuff. All right, well, this had two stories in it. We're just going to review the first one because the second one is um, the Pulse number 5 that Bendis wrote, and it has to do with... Um, the Green Goblin and Frontline and all that stuff, but we can go back and read that. All right, we open. Spider, And this is the one I've been waiting for. This is the list book that I have been waiting for because all the yeah. other ones have been, like, either mediocre to let down. And um, I was waiting for this, and I was hoping that it was going to be good and everything, and then as time went on, I started fearing the worst and uh, <laughs> and it didn't do that bad. It was it was mediocre. I had a, I had an issue with some of the stuff. I mean, again, this is Dan Slott, which he's not hitting them out of the park. We'll see. All right, we start out. Spider-Man is telling the readers via thought boxes that he believes that the reason why Osborn is able to grab so much power is uh, he makes a list and he says, you know, rub the magic lamp or people are taking stupid pills. So anyway, he decides that now is the time for him to stand up and say that Norman Osborn is a threat and a menace. We see the group at Frontline, Robbie, Ben, Nora, and Pete, trying to throw something at Osborn that sticks. They throw out some ideas about illegal, his illegal experiments, his lies about the American Soldier Project, among other things. But they do give Peter enough information to think that Spider-Man may possibly be able to infiltrate the Manhattan Oscorp building to steal surveillance recordings of illegal activities. The scene then cuts to Osborne and, and Hand, Ms. Hand, heading down the hall of the same building, just about to enter the building Data Core. 
they exchange some talk of the the list and how Spider-Man is a mere pest and not and only on the list as a reward for him, which I thought was cool. I mean, what he says, all right, this is the list I have of the most the biggest potential threats out there, and Spider-Man's on it. But we all know he's not the biggest potential threat to Norman Osborn. But here, this is one thing I did like. It it really says something about Dan Slott where he says, okay, I recognize that Spider-Man's not the biggest threat to this guy who is, you know, is head of the cabal and everything, but I'm going to use it as a reward system and say, hey, this is the last thing on the list. After I take care of the rest, I'm going to kill Spider-Man because that's what I want to do. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, but as they enter the room, they happen upon Spidey downloading the evidence that he may need to finally put Osborne away, or at least expose him to the public. A chase ensues, uh, leading to a melee of e- epic proportions down on the road. Uh, the public gets involved on multiple le- levels, uh, siding mostly with the Iron Patriot. The media is transmitting, and the only people we see for Spidey are the frontline crew, and surprisingly enough, Harry Osborne at the coffee bean. He's watching it from his TV, and he's pulling for Spidey. Uh, Spider-Man has one chance to get away and uses it. It's Norman's Unibeam. It overheats, and it's the one that Iron Man has on his suit, but because of the difference in shape, because Norman shaped it to look like a star, the structural integrity of the beam is prone to overheating, and it doesn't give as much of a force of an attack and things like that. That's what Spider-Man figures out. Osborn gives chase following the webbing to an empty costume, which is in the back alley. Osborn refocuses, trying to locate the flash drive instead of Spider-Man, because the flash drive has the important stuff that if it gets out in the open, that could really ruin him. He doesn't. At this point, he needs to not care about Spider-Man. He runs to the nearest place, the nearest public computers, and it's a, um, it's a cyber cafe, and he finds Peter uploading the evidence to YouTube or the net or whoever he can. Uh, Peter distracts him by alerting the public to Iron Patriot's presence. He says, hey, it's the Iron Patriot, everybody. Hurrah. And they all go gaga all over him and uh, allow Peter to finish uploading the data. Norman tries to play it off by claiming that Peter has doctored the evidence and is an accomplice of Spider-Man, but Peter calls him out in front of everyone, reminding him that he is a tax-paying citizen and that Norman is in no way above the law. And what is he going to do? Send him to Gitmo? Send him to the negative zone? Kill him? And if he kills him, then what? Is he going to kill everybody else who stands up to him? And here, Osborne's reign begins to crumble. Norman informs Peter that he was almost finished with the list that he was working on, and now he has one more thing to add to it. And we've got to remember here that Osborne does not know that Peter is Spider-Man because uh, of that one more day fiasco. Um, the issue finishes with Robbie calling Pete and confirming that they received the info and that it was ready for publication. Nora then cuts in and lets Peter have it for sending it for him sending it to Betty Brant first at the DB. Peter thinks that Nora will never let this one go, and then sheepishly explains that he sent it to everybody on his list in his address book, and better, Betty comes before Nora alphabetically. So uh, all in all, I mean, this had good art. It was uh, it was refreshing art. It was it was you know the comic books of old. It had kind of a newish twinge to it. I'm not a huge fan of uh, the Cuberts. I I can appreciate what they do, but they're not my favorite. But again, the story is mediocre at best. I mean, 
it's it's not as epic. And these list issues, I thought for sure they were going to be like you know fifty pages instead of two twenty-five page stories, and then you get a fifty-page one. So I don't know, not not too hot on this one. I didn't like it that much. How about you? Yeah, I I think we're just gonna have to disagree for this one because I really really enjoyed this one because I think it was probably because it totally didn't go with what I thought it was going to be. I was expecting it to be like the brawl of Spider-Man versus Iron Patriot, you know? Finally, a knockdown, drag out, something's going to happen, and it wasn't. There were I was just really surprised by so many things, you know, like when uh, Iron Patriot is walking through his, you know, the data core or whatever, and he opens it up, and who's in there? It's, it's Spider-Man is sitting there downloading all the stuff, and maybe you saw it coming, but I just didn't see that coming i was really just surprised and um then i mean just the chase ensues and fireman's just really clever to use iron patriot's popularity against him in a few different ways and it just wasn't the typical battle issue that i thought it was going to be and that's why i think i liked it so much is because it just wasn't what i was expecting well we've already seen the battle in the spider-man books with american son they had a knockdown drag out type thing and it's just, you know, I, I thought these list issues were going to be, like, not just getting somewhere, not just saying, oh, well, this is the next step, and, and this is, you know, this is what we saw here. He he leaked this out, so people are going to be unhappy about it. No, I mean, to me, that's that's dumb, you know? Like, I don't know. I, they they should have had not necessarily a knockdown dragout fight, but a, a squaring off to say, you know what, like, this is, you are on the list, and this is the list. And, and sort of like, I liked the Hulk one. I did not like the X-Men one. I wasn't crazy about Secret Warriors. That led us to something else. The Punisher one was like a free-for-all. The art was the only redeeming one on that. Oh, and Daredevil was good. But the Avengers, like, the Avengers, they capture, you know, Ronan, and that leads us somewhere, and everything leads us somewhere. It's like another piece of the step. And maybe it's just my opinion of what these lists should be, but we need to see them reflected, and I guess we will in, in the Siege coming up here, this new story arc, Siege, and the, and the kickoff issue, Siege, Siege, the Cabal. But I want to, I mean, they've been spread out over three months, and we haven't seen any effect. Like, Ronan is still, sure. still in the New Avengers, so we don't know exactly when that was. Secret Warriors are, are still dealing with Ares and his son Phobos, and... You know, they're not dealing with Leviathan, and I don't know. I don't know. They just seem useless. And, and Hulk has a big thing coming up, and that's the only one that seems like to really fit, except for the Punisher, which we know is going to be retconned anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. They don't really have a whole bunch of whole bunch of impact on, you know, what's going on. We can read Dark Reign without reading these list issues, and, and it's not like we really missed anything. Uh, I think that's just kind of something that, Marvel's done, really. You know, if if it's not happening in a main issue, then they're gonna they're gonna take the storyline and these crossovers and jam them full with little mini series and one shots and stuff that they tell you is really important and you're gonna want to read them and you get interested. But in the end, they're really not that important. I really enjoyed the Qberts. Yeah, I did. I did like the art. Um, I, I appreciate it. There were some there were some things that really stood out there. Some nice full page splashes that I saw. I like the shading. I don't know if they do their own shading or, or the um, the color, the inking, I guess, on that. But uh, I thought that was really good for this issue. 
But again, just to sum it all up, I just it's got to have a good story behind it. And it just, okay, I'll just say, I, the whole thing felt too easy. We saw Osborne go through all these security checks, and all of a sudden, oh, Spider-Man's already there. Oh, he has a flash drive. Oh, he, there's a computer terminal right there. Oh, he just, you know, like, the only clever thing was he took off his costume because he knew that, you know, I don't know, but it didn't even cross his mind. It wasn't, maybe this is all supposed to be from the perspective of Osborne, and maybe that's what ticks me off, because we're not seeing a whole lot of perspective of Spider-Man. Yeah, it starts out with him, and he has that inner monologue, but usually we would hear him say, i got to get out of this costume, i got to lose him. I, you know, like, he's narrating the whole thing and saying a very methodical, logical process. I mean, we see he's very introspective in general, Spider-Man is, and so, and so is the Punisher. And, you know, some of the other, the Avengers are not, Nick Fury is not introspective. You know, we don't get insights on that, but if, if you were going to do it on an issue, you would do it on this one. I was thinking more of, how is Spider-Man really going to deal with this? But I think we saw that already in the American Sun issues, like I said before. That's the one where he finally stood up and said, okay, have you read those, American Sun? No, I was uh, doing some Wikipedia stuff on American Sun today because I haven't read those issues. Oh, it's it's pretty good. You should you should go back and take some time if you have some time. But, um, you know, Spider-Man asks Wolverine, he's like, well, how can you do it? You know, people have tortured you all your life. Do you just kill him or what? And Wolverine says, when the time comes, you kill Osborne and end this thing. And the time came, and he said, this is what separates me from Wolverine. This is what separates me from you. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, you know, he was fully convinced, and you thought he was going to do something. And when the time came, it was an epic, you know what, I'm, I'm taking this stand. I'm not going to do it. So, anyway. Well, this might just be one of those... Uh agree to disagree, I guess. You know, the, the the Tino Award for tearing us apart, something we don't agree on. <laughs> <laughs> but Tino. But I think all your points are really valid. I think really they are just the different perspectives that you and I are looking at this from. Well, no, I, appre- I, I, I enjoy that. I don't want us to agree all the time, but I'm not saying, you're no, crazy. I mean, we're just expecting you're crazy, Jerry. <laughs> You were expecting one thing, and I was expecting something else, and I think we both didn't get what we were expecting. But I was happy with mine, and you weren't happy with yours. You know, uh, my beloved Spider-Man. I mean, well, how did you feel about the list X-Men? Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> it was not a, even. I mean, a lot of the list. Okay, it was a, the list name war. That's what that was. <laughs> it was dumb. Yeah, pretty much. That's I right. mean, that's a whole other soapbox with Namor on the X-Men, but. All right. But yeah, a lot of the lists. I mean, this one I enjoyed, and I did like the Punisher one. Yeah, that was enjoyable. That was enjoyable. And the Hulk one was okay. Wasn't awful. No, in and of itself, Uh, I mean, in and of itself, the story, it wasn't that good. But the planning that, like, it comes full circle, and they say, oh, mm -hmm. this is why. I mean, that's what was, you know, good about that. Because in that one, you did expect Ares to come out and be like, I'm going to kick your butt, Hulk, you know, and your stupid son. But, you know, you get Miss Marvel, so. Anyway, all right, let's move on. X-Force, do it. Make it happen. All right, let's and grab it real quick. X-Force I'm gonna, 21. I'm going to interrupt you here, I'm, I'm sure, for this one, because yeah. this one, I mean, this one was pretty good. I want to know what you thought about the second cover, so go ahead, wow me. With your wonderful, <laughs> with your with your amazing review. 
<laughs> well, we got the first cover of with Pyro and Archangel and Vanisher on the front. It was okay. I was happy to see Pyro at least. Yeah, I, uh, I liked it. I liked it. I mean, it, it was kind of weird that um, Archangel looks like he's been eating a lot of blueberry popsicles with his lips and everything. <laughs> but other than that, it was all right. The second one reminded me of um, Interview with the Vampire. Yes, I can see uh, that. The cover for that. It just looks like that's Tom Cruise. <laughs> what did you think? I didn't think that, but I definitely see it now. I was I was interested that the Necrotia Chronicles, like this is this isn't like a crossover. This is kinda like a piece of their history. I don't know. I I think it's a different way to present it. It's interesting. I guess I wasn't really so much looking at that, I was just more of an art guy, but yeah. Well, I like how he's sitting on the yeah, Sentinel's hand. I mean, they're in Genosha, obviously, which is a huge deal to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's sweet. That's sweet. But, uh, all right, we're going to go ahead and make it through this one. We've got this uh, X-Force 21 written by Craig Conn, Chris Rios, and the art is by Clayton Crane. We're going to make it through. So we start off with um, a couple issues ago when they were on the future, the Vanisher had teleported, and no one really knew where he went off to. We found out. We find out uh, here on the first page that he just somehow teleported to Portugal in the present, and uh, he's getting sick. Um, he's guessing it's from his tumor that Elixir gave him. So he teleports off, and he teleports right into the heart of the battle uh, where the X Men are battling. Well, Utopia. Um, the X Men are battling the recently revived Hellions. He uh, just teleports right into the middle of everything, and. Domino and Cyclops are shocked to see him. They didn't know what happened to him, and he just says he's looking for Elixir. Uh, Cyclops gives him orders as soon as he teleports in. Uh, we cut to a few other places uh, on Utopia where various X-Men are being attacked. Uh, we see that Feral from X-Force has been resurrected, and she's battling X-23 and Nemesis. Uh, we've got Colossus, and he is battling former members of the Brotherhood, uh, Super Saber, and Stonewall. We cut over to Rogue, who's fighting Tower, who died a long time ago. Then we've got Iceman fighting Darkstar, who's been resurrected. Psylocke and Dazzler are fighting um, Strife's old teammates, Fine Hurricane and Deadbolt. Uh, it's good continuity because they say that they don't know who these people are. That's good because they, they never did meet them. Uh, they were mostly uh, villains in Wolverine's book. And then we've got Rusty Collins a.k.a. Firefist. I didn't know that was his name. He's always just rusty to me, uh, battling Surgeon Hellion. Um, and you know me, I'm a big, huge X-Men old-school nut, so I was just pumped to see all those characters back. Um, Pyro's also there, and he's battling Archangel and Warpath, uh, while Hiram Hari is trying to keep Wolfsbane safe. Um Got some more Morlocks there, Risen from the Dead too, and they join the battle with Pyro. Um, Archangel, you know, with his new powers and everything, we're still not really sure uh, the extent of what his powers are and and uh, what exactly he can do. But he says he can feel that Pyro is still already dead. Uh, he's not fully alive. And uh, they just make note that uh, they really need to protect uh, Wolfsbane because she's injured and they really don't know what's going on with her and, and uh, why she's so hurt. They, they did battle the Frost Giants in the last issue. Um, uh, Hiram Hari is fine, but Wolfsbane isn't. 
So Hiramhari takes Wolfsbane and runs off to try and find Elixir to try and get him healed, try and get Elixir to heal Wolfsbane. Cut over to Genosha, and Eli Bard is there with Wither and Selene. And uh, Wither, not Wither, I'm sorry, Eli Bard says that he can no longer have control over uh, Cypher, Douglas Ramsey, that uh, he's not under his control anymore and there's something going on. Not really exactly sure what, but Selene says she's disappointed because she had very specific plans for Doug Ramsey. And uh, she wants the Hellions to stop what they're doing and to go find him. Cut back to the X-Men, and this is where the art really killed it for me. I don't know about you, but it was hard to tell that was Wolverine. Uh, yeah. One of the Hellions has Wolverine, and he's taking him up to space, but then he gets the call from Selene that he needs to leave and drops Wolverine, so that's kind of cool. But, uh, I thought that was, the I thought that was Warpath. That's not Warpath? Well, I, so I thought I saw Claws. If you look at the second panel... Oh, where he's in his back? Yeah. Uh, That's why I assumed it was Wolverine. I got you. Yeah, I didn't notice that. I just assumed it was Warpath for some reason. But you know, if you look at the last panel, it looks like the guy has long hair. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> okay, well... Maybe I think you might be right, though. No, Wolverine wasn't really in this issue. Maybe, it, I mean, Warpath was, but Warpath and but Warpath wasn't battling the Hellions. He was battling with Archangel against Pyro. Right. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out next issue when this person falls back to Earth. <laughs> right. Unless so. it's like the Vanisher, and they show up like five issues later or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we wondered where um, you were. I was in orbit. <laughs> Then all the Hellions start to disappear, and Cyclops and Domino are trying to regroup. And um, you know, Cyclops says, "Domino, follow them. I'll have X-23 meet you." And, and then they're interrupted with, "I'm sorry, Scotty, I can't let you do that." And it cuts to Banshee. Sweet, sweet picture. I love Banshee. And Banshee is back and attacks the X-Men. Um, they're totally just—they're just taken out. Not much that they can really do. Um, Banshee seems to come to realize that he's being controlled and he tries to fight it but can't and disappears. So they're all shocked that, you know, Banshee's back, the Hellions are back. And um, the Cuckoos uh, come into Cyclops' mind and says, are, the, are our sisters coming back? Is Jean coming back? Cyclops says that he doesn't really know what's going on right now, but right now they need to find a woman named Celine. We cut over to our Blindfold and Destiny together, and Blindfold, you know, she's a precog. She can see what's going to happen, and the wall caves in, and Warpath comes in. Um, Blindfold says that that uh, she saw his brother, Bird, who's been dead for 30 years, 40 years, and uh, turns out that Warpath is being attacked by Risqué. Uh, Risqué was a character, I don't know if you know who Risqué is. No, uh-uh. She was uh, a two-bit character back in X-Force. She appeared very mysterious and uh, had a short relationship with Warpath, but her powers were never really that defined, and she was killed off-panel. And It was, was kind of, I mean, it was, it was cool to see her back, but of all the people to pick, you know, let's see Sabretooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So War, Warpath and Risqué go at it, and they're fighting, and we've got some more fighting with Archangel and uh, 
the Morlocks, and he just goes at it and kills them all, or what he thinks. He thinks he kills them all, but uh, as he thinks they're dead, he looks, and uh, the techno-organic virus <clears throat> is melding them all back together, and they're reconstituting themselves. We cut to Nemesis and X-23. Well, Nemesis is about ready to shoot Hari and Wolfsbane, but X-23 says that, you know, that's, that's Rain Sinclair, and she's on our, our team. She's a good person, and, and we got to figure out what to do. So Hari and Wolfsbane are, are in the med lab. Vanisher's in the med lab, and they're all for Elixir. But it turns out, you know, Elixir's laid up himself right now. Um, we cut over to Shinobi Shaw, about ready to kill Sebastian Shaw, his father. And Leland is there, too, along with Donald Pierce. And Danger wakes up, counters their powers. And, uh, but it, it looks like, I don't know, is she possessed by the, the virus now, too? Or is she detecting it in them? Uh, she, I don't think she's possessed. I think if they... I think she would have been had red eyes or something, but it just says the techno-organic virus detected targets are still viable. I think it's just okay. saying that the, this other group is still out there. And then we cut to Eli Bard putting his hand in the ground on Genosha and bringing all the mutants back to life as the cuckoos watch over and see what's happening. And the last panel is pretty sweet with Cyclops seeing all the all the people come back and just says, dear God. Overall, I think it was a really good ish. I thought it moved the story along with, you know, reintroducing some of these characters, showing that the X-Men are, you know, putting up a battle for it. We see Vanisher brought back. He wasn't, you know, because he teleported a couple issues ago, and we haven't seen him since. We've got some more progression with exactly what Celine was planning on doing. The, the, the silly plot with Haramhari and Wolfsbane wasn't, wasn't let down. I mean, we had a lot of characters in this issue. Yeah, definitely. I thought they handled them pretty well, too. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have to have long expositions from each person, but I think they all got a little bit of limelight. Yeah. I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised how this was. I mean, I, I enjoyed the art on this one more than the story, which rarely ever happens for me. But I really, I mean, I really got into it. The, the one where Banshee, where you said that that was a good picture, the, mm-hmm. page 13, right around there anyway. Like, you can yeah. see, you know, the diamond shape of, you know, I, it's just the angles. Everybody's very bony in these pictures, which I think is tends to be more accurate than, or the other extreme, than, you know, everybody being super muscular and everything. So it's a different kind of art, but I think they do great with the hair and everything. I don't know. The art does it for me in these books more than the story, because the story, I'm just... I'm holding on to whatever you tell me because I don't know any of these characters. <laughs> I mean, this is like a whole new universe. See, this is, again, we see differently because the art here was the hardest thing for me. It was just like that Wolverine or whoever that is that's going up in the air. Like, you know, I should be able to tell who that is. Some of the visuals here were really good, like the pictures of Celine, the pictures of Banshee, Banshee uh, the shot, a couple of shots of Pyro and Colossus. But some of them, and they were just so dark and so, I don't know, artsy-fartsy, I guess. I just couldn't tell what was going on a couple times. Yeah, I can see that. But, but again, I mean, if I'm not understanding the story, then the art has to be good. You know, but the, yeah. art, <laughs> <laughs> but the art has to match the, um, the tone of the story, though. Sure. 
the easiest thing for me to say is Umberto Ramos doing Peter Parker Spider-Man Volume Two. Like that matched. It was a, it was more of a lighthearted. Yeah. It was that. But I don't know if you read the issue of Strange, like Doctor Strange number one, this past week. It was ridiculous. Like you're trying to introduce a you know a, a conversion of a character from Sorcerer Supreme to just you know a regular sorcerer or whatever, somebody who's a superhero, a regular superhero who uses magic. And they're using like kitty art, and like it was, it was fine for the Runaways, and it's fine for Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, but you know, you don't do that. So it has to match, and it, for to me, this matched very well. And so you, you kind of get that seriousness, and you get the dark tone, and you understand. I mean, at least I understand all these people coming back. Holy cow, this is a terrible, this is a dark thing, you know. Like this really has ramifications sure. for all these people even though I can't read their expressions and, you know, they recognize the people they're fighting. I have to remember that because even if I don't see them, I'm like, oh, just another random character. These people are like, holy cow, how did this person get back? How did these people get back? So, yeah. Yeah, the whole series of X-Force has been dark, and it's really just added to to the theme, and, you know, because it should be dark. It's about this group of killers and these bad, awful things that they're doing. And so it should be dark. It shouldn't be like Humberto Ramos would not be good on that title. That was that's an excellent way to put it. You know, <laughs> it's been it's been perfect. Right, right. Well, uh, anything else on this one? Uh, I, I just I can't wait. I just am like I hope that the next issue comes out early, like it comes out tomorrow or something. For some reason, <laughs> it's a special Thanksgiving release. That'd be awesome. What's next in here? Do we know what's next? Uh, what issue's next? Is it New Mutants or? Well, I I guess there's Necrotia is, it's not like you read New Mutants and then you read X-Force and then you read Legacy. Necrotia is happening in all three of those books, but they all have their three separate storylines going on. Oh, and that's why, okay, yeah. That's why they so said, we, you know, we've lost contact with um, with Doug Ramsey. Right. Yeah. Like the next issue that you do need to read for, to find out what happens from here will be in X Force, or it's over in you know New Mutants is dealing with the whole Cipher thing and Legacy has M plate right now, so right they go right. together but they're not so intertwined. Yeah, but Legacy, man, I got to tell you, did you read two twenty nine, the one that just came out? It's still in Nation no, X. No, I've not read it yet. It's still in Nation X. Oh. It's not even in the Croatia. <laughs> And it's like, Nation X, what is that? You know, Utopia, Nation X? I mean, it's like, come on. This is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and it's like, wh- what are they doing? Carrie, is this your fault? Is this editor's fault? I mean, why is your title so far behind? Uh, and why does it suck? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's not telling these critical stories. He's not. Yeah. So they should have just cut out a whole story arc. They would have been like, you know what? Anyway, whatever. Hey, on the on the the next issue, this cover. Yeah. Who is that lizard individual? Is that a Morlock? On the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Morlock. What's his name? That's okay. I have to get back to you. All right, that's fine. I know his name, and that's gonna kill, drive me crazy. I tell you what, the two villains on this page are fantastic, but the two girls, uh, Domino and X twenty three, I'm not. They don't look as good as. Uh, no, but the water looks awesome. Yeah, it looks real. Yes. But that lizard uh, character, I didn't know we had another lizard character other than, you know, the Spider-Man, the lizard. So, All right, I'm, I'm done with this one. You? Yep, I'm good. 
All right, let's do some Realm of Kings. All right, now this, I told you earlier, this gave me such problems. I had to find it, and I lost the issue, and I had to find it again while, while writing the review, and it wasn't there, and oh, it's just, it was a mess. So I had, like, this. I think it's Scaleface. Sorry. <laughs> Scaleface? I think the Morlock's name is Scaleface. I guess that's his name. Well, I guess that is a Morlock name. Sorry. I know we're on the other book, but I I want to say that's what his name is. Too late. <laughs> All right. Realm of Kings. Have, did you read this? I did not. I made it like three pages in. I just that time. Okay. Now, I didn't understand. When, when I was reading the advertisement for this, it said Evil Assemble or something like that. Like, obviously, they're talking about... You know, they're obviously they're talking about the Avengers, and I saw the cover, and I said, "These are, you know, these are weird people. What is all this?" But the cover is actually pretty fantastic for what it is. Yeah, and it never says who Cap is in this, if it's a uh, Steve Rogers or if it's Bucky. But we'll get into that. Iron Man looks fantastic, and, and Thor looks like how Thor should look in our universe. He looks menacing and all powerful. So, I love that cover. Yeah, that is nice. Now, what um, I thought, like I said, this was a, a limited series. It turned out to be a one-shot, and Realm of Kings seems to be sort of like what they're doing with Necrotia, and it just seems to, it ties into a lot of different books, and they're going to have some tie-ins, like Realm of Kings and Human, Realm of Kings, the, the Guard, uh, the Royal Guard, maybe, I think is what it's called. But where we left off is the Cree the and the Shi'ar Empire were at war, and uh, Vulcan, who is Gabriel... Summers, Cyclops and, and Havoc's brother. Um, he was king of, of Shi'ar, the emperor, and he went to war with the Kree, and the Inhumans went and took control of the Kree, um, and Ronan the Accuser, who was a Kree leader, because the, the Kree, the previous Kree leader was killed in Annihilation Conquest because of Ultron, which... I feel sorry for our listeners. If you haven't read any of this, this is really confusing stuff. It's really it's a whole different universe. But now the Inhumans, uh, through a pact, uh, a marriage ceremony between Crystal, uh, which is the Inhumans' Medusa's sister, is that right? Yes. Okay, Medusa's sister, who is the queen of the Inhumans, has married Ronan the Accuser, and now um, they are also head of the entire Kree Empire. Now... Black Bolt used a Terrigen bomb to end the war against the Shi'ar and the Vulcans, thinking that if he set off a bomb of the Terrigen mist and turned everybody into Inhumans, uh, all the Shi'ar into Inhumans, then the fighting would end. What did happen, the bomb went off in an unexpected manner and tore a rip in the fabric of space, which is now being called the Fault. And all the cosmic books, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy... Nova, um, and a, I think we're going to get a Dark Hawk book come out of this, and all the Realm of Kings stuff is dealing with settling um, who's going to be ruling what, the peace in the galaxy, how to annex some of the Shi'ar territories, and also uh, the fault and how they're going to deal with that and how they're going to close it up. So that's, that's where we stand with this. All right. We start out seeing Quasar in pure quantum energy form. Now, he had just previously returned. He got killed in the Annihilation, the first one, the war uh, of Annihilus coming through from the Negative Zone to take over our uh, universe. He got killed, and now he's back in quantum 
form, non-body, non-physical form. He came back in uh, the Nova book. Uh, we see narrative boxes explaining how he got this way. He was killed by a nihilist back in the Annihilation War, and now he's reflecting on how he doesn't really know who he is or what he is anymore. Uh, he is um, interrupted by Star-Lord, who is the de facto leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, they are located in what is called Nowhere, K-N-O-W, in their headquarters, which is kind of between dimensions, I believe. And the headquarters is in the decapitated head of a celestial. And the celestial are, are kind of the progenitors of the, of the universe, and they go around, and they're bigger than Galactus, and they tend to, you know, seed life throughout the galaxy. And we don't know too much about him, I don't believe. Quasar comments that he doesn't know or can't even think of what would be big enough to decapitate a celestial. And th I like this because this seems to be hinting of what will come in, the, in the, the cosmic soap opera that we have been given. And I didn't realize it, but it might come sooner than we thought. It might come within the realm of kings instead of the next one or two big things out there. So uh, They're talking about the fall in space and what caused it, and it was caused by the, the detonation of the Terrigen bomb that ended the Kree-Shiar war in the fall of kings. And the Guardians, Nova, and Project Pegasus, which is Earth's project for um, some of this cosmic stuff, and Quasar are all discussing how the fault should be investigated and eventually sealed. Quasar assumes the role of being the first recon mission. He says because he's in quantum energy, things can't hurt him, and uh, you know he's got nothing to lose. He's died before. It's not a big deal. Suddenly, while investigating, Quasar flies into it, and he is swallowed up by a totally different reality. He's flying through this fault, which seems to be a tunnel, and he finds himself recomposed in physical form and back on Earth. Not our Earth, but a Earth, but in a desolate shell of what Earth used to be or should be. Wendell Vaughn, which is Quasar's name, is then attacked by a vicious squid-type monster that appears to be a gigantic in stature. Now that he is in physical form again, he quickly is weakening from the fight, and at the last second, help arrives in the form of, po of a possessed-looking group of Avengers led by Cap with a pentagram on his costume and his shield. And uh, there's a lot of little you know, magic emblems and dark wizardry stuff all throughout this thing on all the Avengers uniforms. During the fight to contain the beast, the Nega Avengers see that Wendell is not their Quasar and that he is from far away. Thor brings his mighty hammer down on the creature and finally subdues the, the great beast. We then see Banner, Bruce Banner, lying bruised and beaten on the ground. Wendell is astonished that the squid monster was actually the Hulk. And before Quasar can step in, Iron Man rips out Banner's heart from his chest to end this terror once and for all. And they say, we've given him chance after chance, let's end this. And so they rip his heart out and kill him. And all the while, Wendell is held still by a hex of the Scarlet Witch. Again, the Scarlet Witch isn't back. This is the Nega Avengers, as I like to say. The reader then sees Quasar trapped in the containment field and being questioned by the Nega Avengers. They reveal that they are interested in the, in the fault and want to use it as a tool to cross over and conquer Earth-616 for their gods, who are called the Many-Angled Ones. Quasar denies them and says that he will never let that happen. But the Scarlet Witch explains that he does not have any choice because his distinct quantum signature leads back to his Earth, their prey. 
The others leave to prepare the attack, while Scarlet Witch speaks a little bit more candidly with Quasar. She explains how terrifying their Earth is and how they have given in to these ancient evils that rule them now. And suddenly, Vision, the android, phases out of Scarlet Witch's body, releasing Wendell to let him return home. Without him, the evil will not spread to our world. As Wendell flees, he opens communication, trying to reach Nova or Project Pegasus or the Guardians, anybody he can talk to. He is given chase by Iron Man, Miss Marvel, and is surprised by Thor appearing directly in front of him. Quasar then pounds Thor, sending him careening. Wendell continues to report back to Dr. Grunwald of Project Pegasus, and he flies through the fault, seeing the mass universe as a whole creature and a whole being, and now recognizing it for how malignant it truly is, and wonders how he will be able to stave off an attack of this magnitude. His last words to Dr. Grunwald are, they're coming, and then he is cut off. Grunwald orders the lost signal to be played back and filtered through the signal scrubbers, remembering that Quasar said something about another universe. And just then, an energy blast explodes in the facility, leaving Quasar visible as the dust clears. The doctor runs to him, astonished that he is in flesh and blood, and again, or flesh and blood again, instead of quantum energy, as he saw him leave. Wendell replies that he is fine. It was touch and go there for a moment, he says, but there's no place like home. In the last panel, we see we're left uh, with Wendell's eyes looking red and menacing, knowing that this is probably the Wendell from there. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's either their Wendell, it's either, either their Quasar, the one on the front cover, or it's a possessed Quasar from Earth-616. So I'm not sure which one it was. But I thought it was interesting that we started out looking into Quasar's eyes, the first panel, and they were yellow with the quantum energy, and then at the end, they're red. So what did you think? I really, I haven't been following any of the cosmic stuff, so I really am kind of lost. I really don't know a whole lot about what's going on. I'm just kind of leaving this one up to you. Okay, all right. This one threw me for a loop, okay? Because here I thought they were going to be dealing with this fault, and the, like there's some weird stuff going on with this fault. Nova found the Nova Corps uh, individual who was far flung through space, and he's coming back. Some of the mindless ones are coming back, are coming through the fault, which is weird because it, you know, the mindless ones are Dormammu's people, and that shouldn't matter. It, it should, they're not on their space. The mindless ones are in the ethereal realm and uh, not even the negative zone. So if you think of the negative zone as a different dimension, not an alternate universe, those people tried to come over in the Annihilation War. But this looks like alternate universe is a split to kind of, you know, get from one universe to the next. So we don't know what's going on here with these these evil Avengers. They may be from another universe, but they might also have powers from Dormammu or something like that. So it kind of threw me for a loop because I thought this Realm of Kings was totally going to be about reestablishing the status quo and the political scenarios of, you know, who's going to rule the Shi'ar and how are the people going to deal with that. I had no idea that it was going to be, you know, nega Avengers. There are a lot of crazy Avengers running around. Exactly. Mega, dark, mighty, new. <laughs> and all through this, we got Rocket Raccoon. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta love him. You gotta love him. 
So, all right, what happened recently? The Guardians of the Galaxy just came back from uh, a, a time-traveling adventure that had to do with this, and Kang the Conqueror brought them back, and a lot of their team was supposedly killed. I thought that's, that might still be retconned. I'm not sure. So we're, we're crossing a lot of stuff here with this rift. We're crossing time. We're crossing dimensions. We're crossing alternate universes. And also we're crossing the, the magical realm, which is like... I'm saying ethereal, but what is that? Your um, astral, the astral plane. So we don't know what this fault is. And uh, the other stuff, the the realm of kings in humans, realm of kings, the the royal guard, none of that, none of that dealt with this stuff. That was all like the political scene and dealing with uh, Gladiator taking over the Shi'ar Empire and everything like that. So I... Like I said, I'm really surprised about this, but I thought the story was fantastic. It kept me on the edge of my seat. The art was, you know, middle of the road, like comic book art. And then when you get down to page seven, when he comes on to the new Earth, like the dreaded Earth, it was dark and gritty. And it reminded me of, did you ever read the Paul Jenkins, The Century, like where The Century originally showed up? Uh, I slept through it. <laughs> It reminded me a little bit of that art with some of those issues. So I, I really dug it. I, I dug the grittiness and the, the feel of the, the bad earth, the costumes and Thor and everything. Uh, I thought it was great. Now, story-wise, it's a it's a good setup issue for, for what we think is going to happen or, or what is going to happen. And it begs a lot of questions, but it was self-contained, you know, and it was like, you have the climax where he's fighting, you have the intro, you have the, the narrative hook, you have everything all in one issue. And all in all, I thought it was a fantastically crafted one-shot, you know? And it left you wanting more. It has some sort of resolution, but really we know there's more to it. So the, the story was very straightforward. There was nothing complicated about the story if you know what's going on. But again, the, the crafting of the story to get you to the end really did it for me. Now, I know what you're thinking, like, how can you like this and not like the Spider-Man one? I think my expectations were a lot different. (laughs) I think... No, I mean, if you can tell what's going on with this cosmic stuff, more power to you. (laughs) Go right ahead. (laughs) It's like a whole whole other universe. It's like it's not even in the 616. So... Yeah, it's just... It's a whole other world. Literally. I'll take your word for it. You're, we typically agree on on stuff, so I'll take your word for this. Okay. Well, uh, did you have anything you wanted to add? Anything about the the art or anything? I, know, I mean, I know you don't understand a whole lot of what's going on, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the art it wasn't. I'm more of a, like I like the sharp stuff, so this didn't really this didn't really do anything for me. But uh, yeah, I wish I could help you more. I'm just gonna have. To, I really am just gonna have to lay this one to you, bud. Okay, well, I mean, one of the better things about this is that, you know, it is a one-shot. It's not a limited series. We're not going to really be following all the everywhere it needs to go. We might follow some key issues here or there. And if they have a one-shot on the end, we might do that. But what I would really like to see is some of this stuff actually going into the mainstream 616. Because we got the yeah. round, we have ramifications of Dark Rain touching the X-Men, albeit it was... A terrible story, but you know, <laughs> then we have some of the the Marvel or the X Men six one six coming into the Dark Reign stuff, not as much, but sometimes. And then, 
you know, we have right now Daniel Way is writing in Wolverine Origins about the Hulk, and a lot of stuff is being crafted, and a lot of things are really fitting together, and that's what really gets me. I want this cosmic stuff to fit together. I think Nova has seen Iron Man one time during the Civil War, and that's it. That's, like, where everything, like, crossed for that one instant, like, two issues, and then Darkhawk came up, and that was it. Like, the X-Men who are up in space, the cosmic X-Men, they're not doing anything either. You know? Uh-uh. There's nothing, they have nothing to do with the X-Men. They might as well be Star Jammers. So I would really like to see it taken, taken a turn into the, the mainstream Marvel. Which is, I mean, it's yeah, very it's, difficult to do. The, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, it's very difficult to do because you're talking about Earth, and then this is all on a different scale. Because when they go to a planet, you think, oh, this is their planet. But if they went to Earth, you'd be like, well, is it New York, or is it Hong Kong, or is it, you know, because our planet looks completely different from one spot to the next. You know, they're, they're making everything on a micro scale because, you know, they're saying, well, the Cree homeworld looks like this, the Shira homeworld looks like this, when we're saying Japan looks like this, and, and New York looks like this. Yeah. And, you know, so it's very difficult to do because you're talking about two different grand scales, and you're talking about the whole Nova Corps and the Guardians of the Galaxy versus the Avengers and the X-Men. So if they pull it off, it would be something to behold. But I don't blame them if they keep it separately because to do it, you would have to do it right, and if you did it wrong, it would just ruin everything. Yeah, and I think that, too, the fan base is so different. You know, you don't. I don't think the, the fans are necessarily the same between the cosmic titles and, and the dark and stuff. You know, people want their cosmic stuff and they want to keep it cosmic, and the people on Earth don't really care about what's going on out there, so that's not what they want to read about. I guess that's true. I didn't think about that. I just assumed everybody was reading all 60 titles. <laughs> yeah. We're not all rich like Andy is. <laughs> don't say that. That's not true, I mean, people. This dude, uh, Andy's loaded, guys. <laughs> Speaking of which, if anybody would like to donate to the American Cancer Society or American Cancer Association, I am doing the Relay for Life. I have to reach my goal of $100, and I have 10 which was my registration fee. So if anybody wants to donate, go to uh, RelayForLife.com and search for Andrew Kirby and donate to my name. But if not, that's cool, too. Because I'm, I'm going to end up having to pay the $100. <laughs> so. well, why do you have to pay to run? I can go outside and run for free. Oh, it's for cancer. Come on. If, I don't know. I, a charity doesn't usually say, you have to give. Right? That's not really charitable. No, they don't. I'm not. But I want to meet my goal. I'm not going to be like, oh, yep, I didn't meet it. Ten bucks. I don't know. I told the, the, I told the lady in the office who's heading it up, I said, look, I'm going to... I'm going to focus on this after Christmas. I'm in this play and everything. She's like, uh-huh, sure. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. The run's in April. And we, God, like, come on. You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back, back to what really matters, the comics, okay? <laughs> not cancer. <laughs> no, obviously not. Well, I think we'll wait on Black Panther, and we were going to discuss that because it was a prelude to Doom War, and uh, yeah. I have some real heavy opinions about the Black Panther title anyway, so it was probably better not to get into that. Yeah, we were going to be here for a while. 
I apologize, sir. I apologize. No, no, I say we were going to be here for a while if we got on to Black Panther. Yeah, so I'm not even going to ask not, you what you I'm think about I'm not so happy. State of the Union. I want to I get your thoughts on, on uh, what's coming up here. The Siege, Do More, Fall of the Hulks. We got a lot on the horizon. For real. Anything crazy? Your eye? Well, Do More is what I'm about because, well, it's got my girl in it. It's got Storm. There you I'm go. definitely pumped about seeing Storm, but... Just reading the byline for it, we've got the Avengers, Fantastic Four, Storm and Black Panther, and the X-Men. Like, this is a real crossover. This is this is good. It's encapsulating everybody pretty much with Spider-Man and the Hulk. So I'm definitely looking forward to, to that, to, to see that all the heroes bring it to doom and see the fallout from that. What about you? Well, do you, do you think that this is going to be like, what would you liken it to? What, what kind of, would you liken it to like, decimation or would you liken it to the list what's well, it's only it's only a four issue limited series right i don't know i mean i thought it was just in each title like necrotia is it not it was going to be a i thought it was going to be a four issue limited series too well i mean that'd be good i would like to see that doom has played his hand very well i mean he is i think of the cabal he is probably the the best sitting pretty unless we haven't seen everything about Loki. Loki might be sitting prettier than Doom is. Everybody else is getting screwed, man. I mean, the Hood, he's not doing that hot. Namor's taking the heat for a lot of stuff. A bunch of his people got killed. The White Queen, Emma Frost, who things are not panning out. I think Doom is Doom and Loki are, are on top. Because Osborn, he's losing his mind. Let's face it, the guy's going to crack soon. Yeah. And I would encourage you to read the Dark Avengers number 11 that just came out, or it's going to come out next week. That's freaking awesome, man. Read that. I'm not going to give it away. No spoilers. I mean, oh, I will. I will I, no, I mean, I, I picked it up. I'll definitely be checking it out. All right, good, good. But, you know, Doom, he's been asking for it for a lot, and I don't understand why he attacked Black, Black Panther to begin with, like the, the beginning of this volume, volume four, Black Panther. Um you know, we get a new Black Panther, and it's his sister coming in. And it's the whole reason why is because Doom pretty much crippled the guy. But what does Latveria have to do with Wakanda at all? I don't think we even know that yet, right? Well, I mean, you know, Wakanda's got all this vibranium. And back uh, during the World Tour arc of Black Panther, you know, Black Panther and, and Storm showed up at in, Laver- in Latveria and... I forget what it was, but Doom wanted something, and they basically just told him to to stick it, and he was just really taken aback at that. I don't, I don't, I didn't read that one. Which one was that? That was in the, that was in Black Panther. That was after, yeah, that was when Storm first got married to Black Panther, and they went to Atlantis, and they went to um, the moon to see the Inhumans, and they went to Latveria. Oh, so it was their honeymoon? Uh, yeah, yeah. What a honeymoon, you know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know there's been some Black bad blood since then at least and i don't know if maybe this is coming full circle well we see in the black panther 10 that doom is trying to pin it on namor and he's trying to weaken all his not even not even all the enemies he's trying to weaken all his his supposed allies too and right now he's got a lot of the asgardians coming into latveria and and taking up residence as well so i don't know who's going to benefit more from that if loki is or if doom is I, i mean doom usually has all his cards ready to go I think Doom's going to come out good. All right. Well, we'll see. I, I, I would be interested in that. The Fall of the Hulks, I'm interested in that only because I want the whole thing to be over. 
I don't like Scar. <laughs> I don't like Red Hulk. I don't like Red She-Hulk. I don't like the new She-Hulk, who is like <laughs> Thundra's daughter or whatever. It's It has to end. It has to end. Yeah. Jeff Loeb has to get off that book and stop directing the yeah, Marvel it U. It's just, it's just like a parody of itself anymore. Like, Hulk was cool with Hulk, and then, you know, 20 years later we got She-Hulk. That was cool. We could deal with that. And I could kind of a little bit deal with Scar. But now, you know, in the past two years, Hulk has, like, tripled in size. It's, it's stupid. No, it's, it's, not, not, it's not what it's you know, about not anymore. Unique. It's, it's mm-hmm. not what the book's about anymore. I mean, the book was about this man trying to deal with his inner, inner demons, and now all his inner demons are out loose. See, that's a big complaint I have with Spider-Man, too. Like, when is the last time we had a, a, a Spider-Man arc where the villain was there because he was a villain? Not because he hated Spider-Man. But just because he was a bad guy? Yeah, just because he wanted to rob a bank or something. We forget, because I don't see it that often. I don't see Spider-Man doing good things, right? When I see him grabbing a purse snatcher, it's be- and he runs into Black Cat, who, why is Black Cat Black Cat? Because, you know, ultimately because of Spider-Man. And, like, I would like to see him go after a criminal mastermind. Unfortunately, the closest thing we've had in a long time was Diablo, who... That story arc. That's what I was thinking. But I want to see somebody, you know, we have Mr. Negative, which is a a good villain who is not there from Spider-Man. But, I mean, he's so spread out. We've talked about this before. He's so spread out that we don't even see what he does. I mean, we don't see Spider-Man going up against the Hood because now the Hood is a giant high-level Avengers threat and everything. But I want to see a villain who Spider-Man constantly gets in his hair and he hates Spider-Man because he's a villain, not be- and he's not a villain motivated by because the- as Spider-Man exists. Interesting point you got. Yeah, well, yeah, I really stepped back and looked at it that way. Well, you gotta, I mean, you gotta see like, why does Spider-Man do what he does? You know, like, is it to fight all these villains? Is it to stop crime? Or is it just because he's getting a lot of attention? A lot of people hate him, and it's a fun thing to do. Like, eh, whatever. No, I think you're right. I think I've just, I've just kind of had the blinders. Just like it sucks, you know. Well, I think a lot. I haven't found a whole lot of stuff from it that I've really enjoyed. I think a lot of people have the blinders on. I think some of the creators do because they don't realize they're so entrenched in making brand new day work and bringing. Like now we have the gauntlet. Everybody's coming back, and we did have a good story with Electro just recently. But arguably, again, Electro, his motivations might be because of Spider-Man. Still, I, I want to see somebody who. Their motivations aren't because of Spider-Man. You know, you get all this, either the Mafia or uh, Yakuza coming in, and those are the only two bad guys you have because they're they're organized crime. I think we need to be a little bit more creative here. Kind of like the Kingpin or something. Right, right, but not necessarily that organized. Like, you don't have to make him into a... Make him match his wits against Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily he takes them by force by giant numbers. Anyway, that, that's what I'd like to see. That's what I'd like to see in the Hulk too. You know, like let's let's not see a bunch of Hulk villains. Let's see um, Bruce Banner deal with some issues that come like you know, kind of like the old Hulk TV show. He goes around and helps people, and he he hulks out. And I know you can't do that forever because all all of them would be the same. But let's see some of that. And the Marvel editors and writers right now are erasing their papers. They're like, oh, that's what they want to... Okay, well, I didn't know that. That's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, let's just change the next two years or where we're going. (laughs) 
call Andy and Jared now. <laughs> All right. On to the Tinas. The Tina Award. You got it. Why don't you go first? Let's do it. All right. Let's see here. I have two Tinas. How about you? Same. All right. I will go first. Actually, no, I only have one. I'll, I'll take one away because we didn't talk about this. Uh, I was going to have Captain America Reborn. I was going to talk about that. That's kind of a big deal, but we'll skip that, and I'll oh, take no, that's one. that's fine. I've got, I mean, I've got a Tina for an issue I didn't review. I mean, hopefully our listeners don't expect us to review every Marvel title. No, They've got to go and do some reading on their own. Yes, please, because we'd be on the phone forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you go first. I'll, I'll knock it down to one this time, and then we'll have a total of three. Okay. All right, my first Tina is Back Where You Started. Back Where You Started for Norman Osborn, because that's exactly where he's going. I felt that with Spider-Man The List, um, things are starting to unravel even more and more. He's starting to lose control. He's starting to get sloppy with some of the stuff he's doing. And uh, he's going to end up going back to where he started, whether that's Green Goblin or, or whatever. But I just see him very quickly losing control of Hammer and losing all of his power, which you know, I think that's pretty much set up for the siege and everything. But are you? that's my Tina. Where do you think he's going to go after this? Do you think he can even be used as a character after this? Do you think he can be used as, as the Green Goblin? Like, people are going to know exactly... I mean, that's the. I know, that's, but didn't people know he was the Green Goblin before? Well, yeah, that was the backup story. I mean, the Pulse uh, Frontline yeah. wrote it, or the Pulse wrote it, or whatever. I, I think it's going to be hard for him to go back to a vil- being a villain, you know, as Green Goblin. You know, I see him maybe as going kind of like the Magneto route, where you see Magneto really like every five years or whatever. He's not. You know, he doesn't show up on Sunday to battle the X-Men and then come back on Thursday, too. Right. It's kind of like an event when Magneto comes or Apocalypse or, or something. Whereas, like, you know, like Dr. Doom and Dr. Octopus and stuff, you know, they, they come whenever. But I see maybe Green Goblin moving into that realm where it's kind of a special one-off thing. I don't know. What do you think? I, would, I don't know what they're going to do, but I, I'll tell you what I want to see. I want to see him die. I want to see at the end of it an epic death at the hands of a villain of of the cabal. I want to see him die, and I want to see it be definitive and say, you know what, finally this guy's out of the picture, and I want it to take an emotional toll on Spider-Man and say, you know, like, if I, I mean, I could have stopped this or, you know, something like that. I don't want Spider-Man to cross the line, but I, I want him to be aware yeah. and have an effect on him. But I, I'd like to see him die. I think... I think that if they killed him, then this would be the natural progression of the character. Because after this, there's no possible way. I mean, he would lose his mind and either become a, a two-bit supervillain that could be easily stopped, like if he flew off the handle, or like somebody who would never put on the, the tights again. He would never... He would just be in a loony bin. Yeah, that's, I mean, kind of that's what the last, the last image that I see at the end of Siege, it's just him in a straight jacket in a cell just laughing or something. Oh, see, that might be good. Like, if he did that, then eventually he could come back even more, like, totally lost it. 
Like like the Joker. Yeah. Like the Joker would be, I think. And that, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's who he is. You know, Batman has Joker and Spider-Man has Green Goblin. You know, they're just, they function a little bit differently, but they're, you know, they're the same person. Right. Uh, my one what? is, I'm sorry? I, uh, so I was going to say, what is your Tina? <laughs> my Tina this evening is on Silent Wing. On Silent Wing. Realm of Kings, the one shot, and I think, and the reason why it's on Silent Wings is because not, I don't think a whole lot of people read the cosmic stuff, I think it gets overlooked a whole ton, there's only two writers that write every single cosmic issue, um, I think that changed maybe with some of the, the side series, but all the core ones, two writers write it, and uh, I, I don't think they're getting enough credit, but this story I thought was fantastic as a one-shot, and I think it's going to kind of be underrated and go under the radar. So um, on Silent Wings is for Realm of Kings, the one-shot. Now tell us why it's called Sil- the On Silent Wings Award, because we haven't given that one out before. Well, I, I actually changed it. Um, it was... Um, spotlighting a flying character on Silent Wings, but I thought for this, this is a better use of it. It's um, something that is good, but is kind of in the background. Like, you're never going to see it. And it, we're not going to give it out a whole lot because we only deal with the core stuff. We only deal with the, the, the mainstream politics, the 616 politics. So most of the time, that's really hyped up and, and, and people are going to buy it and go out and read it for themselves. But on this one... You know, we've had a lot of cosmic events, one right after the other, and so I, I think that maybe some of this is going to be overlooked. And so on Silent Wings is just kind of a, a recognition of this story that maybe, you know, a lot of people won't read, but it's still good quality. Okay, that's fair enough. Well, thank I you. I will explain that. <laughs> <laughs> good, good work. Good work. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, sir. <laughs> What's your what's your last um, one? Yeah. Well, my last one is on an issue that we did not cover, but you know I think it still needs to be given, and that is without you. So I find myself another way to learn to live another day without you. Yeah. For Black Panther, because I could probably live without this title. <laughs> <laughs> If it wasn't for the upcoming Do More stuff, there'd be absolutely no purpose in reading this ridiculous title. Oh, my goodness. Short synopsis. See, I, I, oh, we can't get it. I had, I had a Tina for this, and mine was Foreign Affair. And it was because what in the world are we doing with a Marvel title set in Africa? What in the world? If you're, ah, I, and this just opens up a whole can of worms. I mean, why do we have a title set there? Do we have a title set in Antarctica? Do we have a title set in, in, in France? I mean, in Russia? No, no. If this is to bring, and I'm not trying to be racist here, but if this is to bring, I don't even know what we're allowed to say anymore, black people, African Americans, or Africans even, into the, into the Marvel reading community, do, do one where 
where there's a there's an African American population. Do one in Harlem. Do one in New Orleans. You know. Do one. You know. You got. You have Brother Voodoo. You have Storm. You have Bishop. And this is a very touchy subject. And I know it's not all about the numbers and everything and equality. But why are we? Why are we spending time in Africa away from the rest of the Marvel universe? I think it kind of did more disservice to highlighting African-American characters because what Reginald Hudlin and the rest of those bozos that are writing this title have done is they've, you know, I mean, they've taken these awesome characters, Storm and Black Panther, and for a while they had Brother Voodoo in there and they've brought in Falcon. And they've kind of almost just made it silly, like this is where we're going to put all the African-American characters. And these are some really awesome characters you know, whether they're Afri- African-American or not, they're really awesome characters. But take these awesome characters and put them in awesome books instead of relegating them to this title that no one wants to read that focuses half the time on why the crops in Wakanda won't even grow. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, no, I think you said it better than me. I, I, that's the thing. What they've effectively done, okay, we all know that Black Panther and Storm uh, we're going to get married, but what they've effectively done is taken Storm out of all the books. You can't be in yeah. a, you can't be in Africa and you can't be in New York at the same time, unless you're talking about Astonishing X Men, and we all know how terrible that is. I mean, the <laughs> continuity-wise. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. And yeah, you you have we have these African American characters spread out, and they work. Man, Luke Cage is one of my favorites. Brother Voodoo sure. is is becoming one of my favorites, and I, you like Storm, and I think Black Panther, they, they painted themselves in a hole. If they want to use him, he has to come to the United States or, you know, I, I hate Yeah, to... because there's nothing happening in Wakanda. No one else is over there. It's like Claw, Black Panther, Storm, and nobody else. Right. So it limits your stories off the bat. It definitely does. It definitely does. And it's, no, it's nothing against a particular race. or It's a geographic no. thing. It's a geographic regional thing. Why would you have stories in Australia when nobody's there? Why would you have stories in Wakanda when nobody's there? Yeah, I mean, we it just doesn't make sense. Do they have a, a Kazar book that I'm not aware of? <laughs> no, no, no one is in the Savage Land. So and that's why that book didn't work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I no, I'm all for you. I'm all for you. It's yeah. It, and let's just make that really clear to all the. All the listeners, it's absolutely not a racist thing at all. It's it's just silly to to do that. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't do that with the Asian characters. You wouldn't take a bunch of Asian characters and say, "Here's a book, and we're going to make it in Japan, and we're just going to take every Asian character we can find." And they've done that before. With like, they just grabbed Sunfire and Sam and Silver Samurai, and every time there's a book in Japan, those two are always there, and it's just ludicrous. It's it's silly, and it's just almost demeaning in, in, uh, in another sense of the word. It's, it's silly. You know, don't do that. No, I, you're totally right. You're totally right. If you're going to do it, I mean, there was one right after um, Astonishing X-Men 24 or whatever came out when, when Kitty died. You know, we saw Nightcrawler and Colossus and Wolverine in Russia, and there was an adventure over there, you know, which was fine. That's great. Have an adventure over there. But bring it back to where everybody else is. If you yeah. want to do a whole, if you want to do a story arc in Wakanda, 
and highlight those characters, have people come to Wakanda. If you want to do a whole book in, in Wakanda, then bring more characters over there, but you can't isolate them from the rest of the, the world. Like, nothing geographically is happening there. Now, if what I would like to see is, just like Secret Invasion, the Savage Land was a big part of Secret Invasion because it, it started out, the new Avengers were going there and uh, to check out something, and, you know, that was kind of like the, the staging ground for when the invasion actually happened after the infiltration. So if you want to use Wakanda like that, yeah, do it. But bring other heroes. Exactly. And I don't care what color they are. I don't care what race they are. Just bring them to where the action is. What you've done is taken Storm, which is a great character, a great leader. And if you're going to make it a racial thing, she's a great leader for an African-American character. She's, she's you know, almost the epitome of the strong character that, many people want to see out there and now she's she's not now she's playing second fiddle to emma frost who i mean let's face it emma frost's character i mean it, it's it's almost one-dimensional you know anyway yeah i think we could do without this and i i don't think that in the current state of things marvel's going to cancel it even if the numbers drop low because they're going to say well no we you know we want to be friendly to our african-american readers whereas what you're saying is it's more insulting to your African-American readers. If you sure. moved everything... Well, the numbers are already low. The oh. numbers are rocket low. They're, I mean, Black Panther's at the bottom already. They've tried... You know, Black Panther was low before he married Storm, so they brought in Storm. Storm did not bring it up because the title sucks already. They sent him to fight Dr. Doom. That didn't bring up readers. They sent him to fight Namor. Nothing. Inhuman. Nothing. So then they knocked... Oh, then they had them join the Fantastic Four. Uh, maybe singing Human Torch will bring up some readers. Didn't do it. Then they knocked him off and thought, well, now we'll introduce a female Black Panther. Maybe that will help. Nothing. And now we'll do do more. You know, let it go. Just let it go. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I have to relate it. I have to relate it to Excalibur. And um, MI-13, well, right? Like uh, Captain Britain and the MI-13? Like, why did that fail? It's because they're over in England. And if you're going to have a team based in England, you have to do stories in England. If you have a team based in England and they're always coming over to America, well, I mean, that might sell books, but that's not the point. Why would you have a team based in England? It's a geographic thing. It's not a racial thing. Bring What they need to do is leave the girl Black Panther down there to rule Wakanda and then bring T'Challa up to the United States and be the Black Panther there. That's how you're going to get sales up on the Black Panther book. If the book follows yeah. T'Challa. Yeah, totally, totally agree. What a note to end this this podcast on. <laughs> I know. Ten minutes of us just heart, you know, destroying the Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to have to go in our best of. <laughs> hey, well, good thing we didn't review the whole issue, though. No, We'd yeah. Still be talking, you know? No. Well, I said what I was going to say anyway. The issue kind of negligible at this point. Contact information one more time. Email us at marvel616politics at gmail.com. Go to our website, marvel616politics.com. Our Facebook pages, you can uh, friend us. Just tell us you're a fan of the show or you've heard the show, at least. You don't have to be a fan. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I'm Andy Kirby. Uh, this is Jared Mayo, and we did not give out our voicemail information earlier. What's our voicemail number? Uh, 616 755 Tina.
Everybody be safe. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Till next time. Happy Tina Turner birthday. Oh, of course, yeah. Happy Tina Turner birthday to everyone out there. (laughs) (laughs) And to you too, Tina. To you too. (laughs) Until next time, make yours Marvel 616 Politics. But that's a really bad lag, because that was two calls ago. <laughs> hey, man. Hey. What was the last thing you heard? Um, We were start. We were just... I don't know. I was talking. <laughs> and it went off. So I, I was talking for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a new phone, and it has all these new buttons, and all, none of them are labeled correctly. The... My boss came in and he said, I need your phone. I need a, I need, you want to upgrade? And I was like, no, not really. And he said, well, I need it anyway.